This is Dylan Roberts, First Class Academy cadet in the United States Coast Guard. I am author of Keep Pushing, which will be published hopefully in the fall of 2021. And you are listening to The Shadows Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Bodenheimer, and today I am joined by Narissa Figueroa. She is, first and foremost, a proud mother. 20-plus years of experience in the fitness industry. She was Miss Fitness Arizona 2009-2010. Ma'am, thank you very much for joining us here on Shadows Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Excited to be here. So we're going to go ahead and kick things off with a couple okay. of rapid fires. So right. first, what is something you don't mind paying extra money for? Something I don't mind paying extra money for. Uh, I would probably have to say uh, coaching. Coaching, hmm. I think, is something that I definitely would pay extra money for. And obviously, you get what you pay for, just like in a lot of other things, Um because I think uh, coaching is so important for everyone in different aspects of life, whether it be business or fitness or so forth. And I, I've had coaches in fitness as well, especially when I went to compete. And the way some people have approached me was, they're like, why do you need a coach? Because you already are a coach, a trainer, um, you're very motivating and so forth. But I, I compare it to, well, I may have my pro card and so forth, but just like an NFL player, they make it to the pros and they still have coaches. So they don't make it to the pros and say, okay, I got this. I'm on my own now. They have, you know, all types of coaches and trainers to help guide them. And same thing with business. You know, I listen to webinars and so forth to um, help increase my business and know where I'm going and get different ideas. So coaching, definitely. What is it that makes you so unique? I think what makes me so unique is that I can relate to several different aspects um, of life as far as being a parent is concerned, um, having a busy schedule, um, having some medical issues that um, I can relate to other people with. And I'm able to really build relationships with people, not because I just want business, but because I think I'm the type of person that tries to relate and put myself in their shoes. So when I do that, I try to uh, understand the situation. I think one of my biggest things, and sometimes we all have to remind ourselves that if you want to be understood, you have to be understanding. So um, I think that helps tremendously. Yeah. There's that quote. I like that. that yeah. that'll, that'll go on the Instagram page. Yeah. What is, so you've done a lot. You've done a lot. Yeah. And, and doing my research on you and everything, I was like, wow, this is, it's got a lot of accolades. But what is something that you are afraid to try? Oh, afraid to try. Um, I think I'm afraid to try. Um, I think in the fitness aspect is triathlons because of the swimming part, because okay. I know how to swim, but I'm not a great swimmer. And yeah. I've actually trained 
um, athletes to do triathlons and marathons and so forth. And I help them to get stronger for their swim and their cycle. However, I have that issue because I've heard different things about so many people in the water and they're, you know, hitting your feet, hitting your arms, grabbing you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I think I'm definitely a little bit scared of trying a triathlon. So almost like you psych yeah. yourself out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm like, nope. <laughs> if you could try a job for a day just to see what it would be like, what would that job be? Oh, goodness. A job for a day. Um, I think I have a couple of them. But I think it would be a surgeon, be a surgeon for a day. Yeah. And um, I think at that aspect of it is that um, I've been able to actually be in surgeries observing. And it was just phenomenal where I was in the background observing it. And they were like right in there doing everything. And it's so fascinating because you know, they have to know every part. They have to be exact. They have to mm -hmm. know everything that's going on. And so I think it would be something to do with surgery because, you know, you're also helping people to be, to be better. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. I don't know if I would want to be on the table for that, no. that one day. That <laughs> Not on the table. <laughs> but definitely, definitely interesting. Okay. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you, uh, upbringing your childhood, um, well, yeah, definitely. Well, I was born and reared in Houston, Texas, and I have a brother and two sisters. So um, definitely a busy household. My parents are from Mexico, and um, but I was born again in Houston. We were all born in Houston. We lived there for a while. And uh, so my parents worked really, really hard. And my dad worked seven days a week, nonstop, and uh, moved us into uh, Houston, into the suburb area that was kind of on the outskirts. So if you know Houston, it's uh, close to Katy, Texas, so right in there. And uh, I've kind of moved um, a little bit because in eighth grade, he wanted to open a hardware store with my uncle in Monterrey, Mexico. And so we moved over there, actually seventh grade, moved over there in seventh. And so I was over there for a little while. So I'm bilingual. I can read, write, speak Spanish. And at the time, obviously I was a kid, I was very resistant to it because there I was in junior high and, oh, I don't want to move my friends. And, um, but after being there and going to school there and making friends, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. I didn't want to leave. So, and then we moved from there um, to South Texas for two years and then back to Houston. So I've kind of moved a little bit. Um, I went to school in East Texas and then came back uh, and actually moved to San Antonio because my sister was here in San Antonio going to school. So I'm like, let me try San Antonio. And I love it here. Um, and I did get, I, I got married here and my ex is um, military and he was in for 30 years. So um, wow. two years after I married him, um, we, I had a, I gave birth and two months later we were supposed to move to Turkey. So it was my first baby and he was born two months early. So mm -hmm. 
I was taking a small baby with me. So I was very concerned and worried because at that time the Gulf War, you know, had already been going on. And I think we had gone into Iraq at the time. That's when we went in. But I went and same thing. I was kind of worried about it, but we were there two years. I absolutely loved it. I loved Turkey. It was phenomenal. So um, that's when I started working for the military. So I worked um, for the military uh, for almost for about nine years, almost 10 years. And I worked as a um, program director at the community center. So it was great because we had a lot of the airmen um, coming in who were just there for a short while and mm-hmm. leaving. We got to know a lot of people at the community center because they were coming to use our facility a lot. So it was really great being there because you saw so many different sides of it. And then from there, we went to Davis Monthan. So I was at Davis Monthan for five years and uh, I loved it there as well. Made great friends. I still have a lot of friends there. Um, I worked as the pro I worked as a community center director first, and then I switched over to the Hawk and I became the health and fitness specialist for the base. And I worked there um, for quite a while and then later moved back to San Antonio to be closer to family and so forth. But yeah, so it's been a great, great experience. And um, as far as work is concerned and um, always been in fitness and decided to start competing when I lived in t- Tucson. And that was going to be my next question for you is because um, that, that's where, you know, I first met you was in Tucson. And mm-hmm. what was it that sparked your interest to where it's, you, you kind of took it from, OK, I'm just working out to the competing level? Um, I think what, uh, it was, I was already the health and fitness specialist at the base Mm -hmm. and I, I had two children already. My daughter was two and a half and I had always worked out and so forth my whole life. And previously I used to watch, um, the Miss Fitness USA competitions on ESPN. They used to air them. And so there were the ones where they would do the fitness routines and so forth. And, and so while I was at DM as a a health and fitness specialist, I went to a conference and it was in Las Vegas and it was, uh, an exercise conference and at the Rio. And at the same time, the Miss Fitness USA competition was going on at the Rio. Mm. So for all the attendees of the fitness symposium, health and fitness symposium, they gave us tickets to go to the competition. So I was sitting in the audience, just in awe of all the competitors, like, oh my God, I've always seen this on TV. Now look at them. And, and so I was sitting there and this guy that was sitting next to me, he worked for the YMCA. He had some big position at the YMCA. And so we were chatting about health and fitness and he's like, well, why aren't you up there? And I was just like, I had to pause. And I was just thinking, why aren't I up there? (laughs) So that's what, as soon as I came back, I started looking for online coaching for fitness competitive, fitness competitors. And I started, so that's where it all started. It just clicked. I was watching the show and, um, it clicked from there and I just went and I started doing it. <laughs> and it goes back to that first question, coaching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so- exactly. Where I knew what I was doing fitness wise, but 
competing is a whole different realm. It's, it's a different realm. It's, it's, it's completely different. So um, you start understanding the importance of nutrition more and more and more when you go compete. I think nutritionists are so undervalued. Oh my gosh. It's completely undervalued. And, and I learned that a lot too. And I always give kudos to, um, I don't know if you know, if you remember Cindy, she was at the Hawk too. Mm -hmm. And her name was uh, Cindy Davis and she was a nutritionist, a dietitian, excuse me. And she did the nutrition part for the Hawk and she was phenomenal. She taught me so much, worked with her for, um, almost five years and she taught me a lot and we're still friends as of this day. And, I really learned the importance of nutrition and everything it does for you. Yeah. I, I personal trained for about six years and we had a separate nutritionist and we weren't allowed to give any type of nutritional tips to yeah. anybody. And uh-huh. um, I would have people come in and I'm like, I, I definitely recommend you go talk to the nutritionist as well. And they're yeah. like, nah, I just need to lift weights and do cardio. I'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is so much more to it than just that. It- not just competing wise, but overall in life, um, yeah. your eating habits are 75% yeah. of your health. So there's 75% of it. You could work out every day, but if you're not on top of your eating habits and the healthy nutrition, it's, you're not going to see a lot of changes. Yeah. So yeah. I totally sure. agree. So yeah. to kind of backtrack just a little bit, when you were in college, is that where you became a certified uh, group instructor? I, yes. Um, I, I became a certified group instructor. I, it's actually been, it's going on 30 years. I got in, I got certified in 91. <laughs> you were kind of hesitant like, saying oh. that your life has been 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I got certified in 91. So I always tell people I'm giving my age away, but that's okay because um, I like them to know that, Hey, I've gone through all this experience and health and fitness has changed tremendously. Like back then it was all no pain, no gain and boom, 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 boom. And uh, a lot has changed since then. So we know how to do things better and it keeps changing. You, you probably know that as well, that it yeah. keeps changing one, one year, something may be good for you. And then they find out five years later, this is better for you or don't do that. Or, you know, so it goes, there's been a lot of changes since then. So after that, uh, you know, we talked about the competition piece, you went and competed Miss Fitness Arizona 2009-2010. What was that experience like? It was actually phenomenal. And going back to when I was at the symposium and that guy said, why aren't you up there? Yeah. It just ignited me. And I don't think it was, I tell everybody, I'm just like everybody else. Um, something just triggered. Like I was working out and I was, and everything was good. But I was, you know, probably 10 pounds heavier than I, maybe 12 pounds heavier than I wanted to be. Um, You know, you have, I had two toddlers and working full time, busy schedule. My husband at the time, um, you know, military, they have exercises, they have TDYs, they have deployments. So it was busy. And I think back then I would tell myself when they get older, or I'll, I'll think about it. Mm. When this happens, I'll think of, I'll do it. When he stops traveling so much, I'll do it. But, you know, I, um, I, a big believer too, and like listening to or reading um, motivational. And even though that's important, you have to put action to it. So um, I read something one time that 
if you keep saying when I stop working so much or when I stop traveling or my spouse starts stops traveling, you know, it's always going to be a win. It's easier to come up with, oh, later when it's not as busy, when the holidays are over, when, so it just snapped in my head that day when he asked me that. And I started training. Like I said, I started looking as soon as I got back to Tucson and I think that was, has been one of my proudest moments, not even, I mean, my pro card was great too in the fitness world, but one of my proudest moments was, so that was in 2007 at the symposium. I trained and trained and trained and trained. I competed in my first competition in Tucson and I got second place, but that qualified me to go to, um, I needed to win. I needed to place one more to go to the nationals, right? So then I did the Miss Fitness Arizona and I placed first in the different categories. So I automatically qualified to go to to the nationals. So it was a phenomenal moment because I went from sitting in the audience to a year later, I was on that stage. So I think that has always been one of my proudest moments for myself in fitness because I wasn't sitting in the audience. So And that's what I mean by I've won first place in um, a fair amount of competitions. And those were phenomenal and I'm thankful for them. But my biggest, proudest moment in fitness was going from the audience to the stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) You you brought up something good, too. Um, You were talking about how, you know, it's always like, "Ah, eventually, eventually I'll do that. Yes. And there's a there's a lesson that I've been teaching recently where it's a circle of influence and it talks about us taking care of ourselves, our family and it's yes. living an accidental lifestyle versus an intentional lifestyle. And mm-hmm. so many people, majority of people live accidental and it's like, I'm going to start dieting next week or I'm going to yes. start working out now. I'm going to start doing, maybe I'll do that later on. But it's those people that are really successful who are the intentional people. And they're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it and I'm going to succeed at it. And they just go full throttle with it. So that sounds exactly like what you were doing. So that's a good message there. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Then from there, 2012 world beauty, fitness and fashion, WBFF Mm -hmm. Texas fitness championship. That's where you earned your pro card. First, what was that experience like? And second, uh, explain to someone listening that has no idea what a pro card is. Well, it was, it was phenomenal because I had already competed in different organizations and, um, my friend Sharon, who lives in California was like, you need to do this organization. You're going to love it because, um, I, up until that time I was doing fitness and the organizations I was competing in, um, they required the routines like I told you. So the routines are so much fun. They're awesome, awesome, awesome to watch, but they do start beating up on your body. Right. And so she said, you should look into fitness. It's really, it's just, it's very glamorous with the WBFF. And I said, okay. So I looked into it and I decided, okay, I'm going to go do it. It was in Dallas, Texas. And I went and did it and it was my first time competing with the WBFF, but again, four years competing already. Um, and I, that's where I won my pro card. So it was, it was a phenomenal moment because I was, it's one of those like, what did I just get my pro card? (laughs) And so the pro card is, uh, what it is in 
competing with fitness, especially um, in bodybuilding, fitness, bikini, and so forth, is you go from amateur level to pro status. So um, amateur being, that doesn't mean you, there's, I competed for four years as an amateur and I kept competing and usually missing it. Like I competed at the Fitness America and top 10 would go on to the, the second heat, you know, basically the finals and that's where they would place the winners. And so this, the first time you'd get on stage when I went up there, it was a large, a huge amount of women. I want to say in my division, there was probably at least a hundred women. And, and again, this is the fitness America. So top 10 goes on to the next level and I made 11. (laughs) I was so upset. And that happened two years in a row. So I was so frustrated. And actually when I went to compete at the WBFF in Dallas, like, three weeks later, I had already planned to compete again at Fitness America. Mm. So I had my plane tickets, everything. And I won my pro card with the WBFF. So um, I went ahead and stayed with them. Because once you win your pro card in a division, you cannot compete with any other organization. You only have to, you can only compete in your organization or you have to give up your pro card. So, um, So it was a phenomenal experience because once you get your pro card, you're competing with, you know, it's basically the creme de la creme, you know, the elite. And um, with the WBFF, I got my pro card. And at the time I was over 35, but they didn't have, when you got your pro card, they didn't have, you everybody competed at the same. So whether you were 21 or 37, that's who you were competing against. So so it was, it was just a great phenomenal experience. So it was really cool. But um, yeah, the, so that's what the pro card is, is that you, you are at amateur level and then finally you'll get your pro card. How long do you keep a pro card? You can keep it for as long as you keep. I mean, it's yours for life. As like, long as you're competing. Uh, even when you retire, but you can always say, I was an IFBB pro. I was yeah. a WBFF pro. I was, you know, so you can always say I was a, you know, I was a pro or am a pro. Um, you keep it unless, again, you go compete with a, another organization and then you have to give it up with that organization. And then you go compete from the beginning with another organization. No, and I just, I personally love the way the WBFF um, sets up their shows and their competitions. It's just, it's, um, it's a lot, even though we don't do a fitness routine, the posing is very intricate. Um, the, you know, you have to have theme wear or gowns and the guys too, the guys have to come out in like dress attire and like their mm. swim trunks. So yeah. it's both. Yeah. So they want to see both sides of you, you know? Yeah. So, and also, uh, you have, uh, ventured out into speaking events as well. Um, which yes, that that is something that I, I was just talking to someone yesterday, and I said that uh, Jerry Seinfeld once said more people would rather uh, be in the casket than read a eulogy because that's something people are just so deathly afraid yeah. of is public yeah. speaking. So, what yeah. made you venture out and start doing that? Well, I'm not gonna lie; I've always been a chatty Kathy. So, <laughs> I mean, just even natural. In- 
in elementary school, I'd get in trouble for talking too much. And, you know, uh, I think what started it was when I was in Turkey, uh, they would come, the AFN, the station there, would come and interview me because they wanted to know about what was going on base, the events, what we were going to do. So they tried me out like once or, you know, once or twice. And they're like, you're, you're really great at speaking. And I had, ta- I, I, I competed in drama in high school at UIL level. So I did drama and I did speech, speech and drama. Yep. So I did those. So I had that under my belt. I took it in college as well. And so I've always loved doing it. I never had issues with it because I just would get out there. And so that's how it kind of all started. Like it really clicked. I was comfortable in front of the camera. Um, So it just really started snowballing from there. But when I started doing some motivational speaking and, or, or, you know, going to, um, I was even part of a mastermind here in San Antonio and what that, I really felt like it was able to give me an audience where, because a lot of times they're like, thank you for motivating me. Thank you for helping me. You know, I would always hear your little voice in my head and, um, so forth. And again, it goes back to, I tell everybody, I'm just like everybody else. I'm not superwoman. I don't have any special powers. I don't have any special potion. Trust me. <laughs> so I think I like telling people, look, it happens to all of us and connecting with them. And it just goes from there. I think your message of just sitting in the crowd to competing the next year is like strong enough. Yeah, Um, it really was. And I tell people that story. I'm like, trust me, I was, you know, I know a lot of people think, oh, you were probably already in good shape. No, I was definitely carrying, you know, I was still like my, I said, my daughter was two and a half. I was still carrying, I think some of the baby weight. And, um, but you know, when you want to, my biggest motto has always been, if you want to see changes, you got to make changes. Mm-hmm. And that's all there is to it. And you got to put your ego down. Yeah. You got to set the ego aside and stop thinking, I know it all. I know everything there is and I can do this. Um, set it aside and open up to learning. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned, um, you know, being a mother as well. One thing that's always just really intrigued me, um, you know, even following like you, you on Instagram, how active you are. Yeah, oh, three kids, three yes. kids. So I, <laughs> I say- tell everyone I have a 17 year old, a 15 year old and a four year old. So I have teenage, two teenagers and a toddler. And I tell everybody the teenagers are harder. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going through that right now. I can, yeah. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Um, so being you know, a mother with three kids, how in the world are you able to stay as active as you? Cause some people are like, like I stay at home, I have kids, I have no time to work out. So how do you keep as active as you are? Uh, well, I mean, I know a lot of people think, well, you're a trainer, it's easy for you, but it, it's quite the contrary. It's um, because when you've been at the gym all day working with clients or going over, like when I would go to their homes and train them or so forth, sometimes the last thing you want to do is work out. (laughs) You don't want to work out or you don't want to be in the gym. You just, because especially if it's your work, you're like, I just want to get out of here. You're counting. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's like, I've been here all day. I want to go. So what has helped me is that, um, and again, it happens to me too. You know, if, if you don't start doing something, if you look behind you, as far as like, let's say in the last three years, you gained 10 pounds or 15 pounds, you can guarantee that's what's going to happen in the next three years if you don't start making changes. And it's not, it's not that difficult. We, you know, it's known as the weight creep. And I always go over this. I tell people, let's say you gain 10 pounds in a year. That, if you think about it, that's less than one pound a month, less. So Mm -hmm. who's going to, you're not going to notice that if you get on the scale. So if I weigh myself on the first and then I weigh myself on the 25th, I'm not going to notice that much, right? Because it's less than a pound. But if you keep adding that at the end of the year, it's 10 pounds, you know? And I think that's what's helped me stay motivated that I don't weigh myself every day, but Mm -hmm. I do weigh myself on a weekly basis, um, if not twice a week. Because even if you're thinking, people think, oh, you know, the scale isn't that important. It, it's a good, um, it really does correlate where, where you are and what you've been doing. Yeah. So if I've had a rough December and I've been eating like crazy and not exercising, the scale's going to show it. It's going to show right it. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. So it's going to show it. And that's what has helped me is that's one tip I can give as far as what's helped me is weigh myself at least once or twice a week and try to keep it the same. If not, Mm -hmm. try to get it lower if that's what you're trying to do. And you got to take it week by week, week by week. Don't look at the long. And the other thing is because I have three kids, I have to stay in shape. I mean, that's the way I look at it because I can't imagine running around like I do. Like my son is just starting to drive, but, um, I can't imagine running around like I do, like, take me here, take me there. Can you do this? Can you help me? And being a single parent household, a lot of the stuff I'll be like, Hey, you know, son, help me with something. And we're moving a dresser. And I I'm consider myself blessed that I have been able to stay healthy and stay in shape and keep myself going. Um, one of the other things I told you about the stage thing was something I was very proud of, but one of the other things I've been super proud of was my, I told you I had a four-year-old and I'm going to tell people I'm going to turn 50 in September. Okay. So I'll be 50. Wow. (laughs) So when, um, I, uh, was 44, I found out I was pregnant and it was a complete surprise. Like Mm. I was shocked. I was like, what? And, um, you know, I was shocked, but I was also scared because I was 44, you know, there's higher risk factors for me, but also higher for the baby when it comes to disabilities and so forth. And so the doctor on the visit where they take your blood to check for risk factors, Mm -hmm. um, she checked my, she took my blood and then I went back like three weeks later to get the results. And she, came in and she says, okay, I'm going to show you something. She goes, I'm going to show you, um, what the risk factors are for different ages. I said, okay. So she had this piece of paper folded and it was a bar graph. 
a horizontal bar graph. And she said, okay, here on one side was the risk factors. On the top was the ages, 20, 30s, 40s, and so forth. And so the bar would go higher for every age, right? So the 20s, it was here, not that bad. 30s, it went, the risk factors got even higher. 40s, they went way high. Mm. She goes, those are the risk factors. So it started worrying me because when she was showing it to me, I was like, are you trying to, you know, kind of ease the pain here of what's going to happen? She goes, now I'm going to show you your results. And she showed me my results and my line, my bar stopped in the twenties. And she said, you have the risk factors of women in their twenties. And it was something I'm so proud of because after I spoke with her, I said, do you think me taking care of myself has helped? She said, I can't guarantee you that that's something that is absolutely showing that you have low risk factors for the baby. She goes, but I can definitely say it has without a doubt helped. Yeah. So that's something that made me feel good because at that point it was, I've been taking care of myself for this long that it helped the life of my child. So that's why I always tell women now, especially younger women, I'm like, look, even if you don't have kids now, if you ever want kids, you've got to start taking care of yourself. That's really good information right there. Yeah. Yeah. Even people I talk to like in their mid thirties, they're like, like I'm too old. I feel like that, that ship has sailed, but that's, that's really good advice. Take care of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And she told me women my age have only a 2% risk, a 2% chance of getting pregnant. And now mind you, um, my, I have, um, I know someone that she was close to my age and she had a very hard time. And I know circumstances are different, but I think if you can do everything possible to help yourself and help, you know, a pregnancy in the fetus is going to help tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that we're on, uh, you know, some, some fitness related stuff, let's, I got a couple of questions here for you. Okay. Uh, First, what is your opinion of like crash diets, fad diets, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I'm completely against them. And I'll tell you why. Um, I could name a few, but you know, there's some that are going on right now that are super popular. And I know I would get a lot of backlash, (laughs) (laughs) but there's some like uh, crash diets or fad diets that most of them, the ones that I'm not very fond of are the ones that cut out whole food groups. Yeah. So particularly carbs, they'll cut them out. And so they'll say, increase your fat intake or increase your protein or so forth. And quite honestly, there's different reasons why I don't like them. One of the main reasons being they're not sustainable because you would have to live that way the rest of your life to keep that weight off. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're probably too young to remember this, but um, Oprah years ago did a liquid diet. And you would think, Oprah, she should know better than that. But this again was a long time ago when, like I told you, we didn't know, you know, we kept, you know, as um, kept looking medical research, scientific research has come out that has changed all that. But she did a liquid diet. She lost an enormous amount of weight. She looked fantastic. But guess what? As soon as she started putting solid food in her mouth, she gained the weight back. So that's why I don't feel crash diets. They're not sustainable. They just aren't. And I feel like you have a higher propensity of binging 
um, or gaining not just your weight back, but gaining more back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it even happens in competition. Like a lot of the competitors and when I was training competitors, I would tell them, do not binge after the show. Do not binge after the show. I would tell them and tell them and tell them. And because you've been eating clean for so long, low sodium, low sugar, lots of vegetables. And then you go stuff your face with salt and sugar. Um, it's an overload for the body at that moment. Mm -hmm. So that's why I don't like crash diets because I just feel they're not sustainable. You're going to gain more weight back. Um, sometimes we don't have enough research to show if some of these fad diets don't cause more harm than good, like whether it's higher cholesterol or high blood, increase your blood pressure. Um, so I just believe you know, like one of the number one diets, and it's been number one for a very long time is the Mediterranean diet. And mm. it's, it's a very well-rounded diet. Um, and you can find it anywhere. The DASH diet, which is dietary approaches to stop hypertension. Those are good, good factors to look into. But if I could give a piece of advice, like when I give them to my clients, I'm like, don't stick to, you know, don't do crash diets. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. you know, only because again, they're not sustainable. Okay. So how do you track your fitness goals? You know, and this is, <laughs> this is funny that you mentioned this because I'm going to turn the light on real quick. Um, somebody was asking me uh, about competing actually today. And I told them, I said, I guess it was about retirement or so forth. Cause I the last time I competed was 2019. And so I told them, I want to compete for my 50th birthday, the world championship, because it's in August. My birthday is in September. And uh, competing, it really, like you said, um, you have to have intention and set goals. And competing for me does that. So it's not a vanity thing, which I think a lot of people think it's about vanity when people go compete. The first time people do it, like when the first time I ever competed, I did it as a bucket list, yeah. right? It was like, I'm going to check it off. Well, the bug bit me. <laughs> I just kept going, but it helps me in so many aspects of my life because when I compete, I'm more structured. Yeah. I'm, I'm structured. I have um, more time management um, as far as I, I'm more aware of what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, how long it's taking me. And it, it just helps in every aspect of my life because when I'm more structured, more focused, it helps me as a mother. It helps me as a trainer with my clients. It just helps me in general. I feel better. I feel stronger, um, less stress. So I just feel when the way I track my fitness is you know, setting those goals, okay, I want to compete, but also my strength goals. So it's not so much about how I look, but like before I had my son, I could do 10 pull-ups, easy, strict pull-ups, just do them by myself. Now I can probably do two or three. So for me, my goals are, I need to get stronger again. So I want to get back to be able to do 10 pull-ups without any help and just do them on my own. So that's another way I, I measure my fitness through 
my strength, um, my conditioning, like, whew, I'm out of breath, you know, what's going on? <laughs> I need to get on it. So, and I think we all, if you start becoming more aware of that, you'll realize, okay, this is how a good way to measure it. If, how do you feel body weight versus uh, actual weightlifting? Cause I know when COVID kicked off, a lot of people discovered, wow, I can do body weight with a lot of it, with these exercises yes. <laughs> I've been doing. So how do you feel about both of those? Um, I think they're both fantastic um, because let me tell you why. I actually did a, um, training a class and it was called body weight burn and all the exercises were done just with your body. And it's that hard. Was it. Yes, it's hard. And you it's know so what? Hard. I'll have people come in that had come in and they'd be like, um, I'm going to, yeah, I signed up. I kind of want to take it easy today. I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> we, we do the training in the class and when they're done, no joke. They've every single one of them has said, this is harder than the, the strengthening. It's brutal. I'm like, it's very hard because I think you have to be more aware of your body. You have to um, really engage your different muscles. And I think you become more aware of it and your form too. Yeah. Your form is like essential. Whereas, um, I'm not saying your, your form is actually what, you know, essential to with weight training, but when you're having to really engage that core, which you really need when you do body weight stuff, I think that's when people really start feeling it. So you're absolutely correct in that you can get a fantastic workout at home that will kick your butt just with your own body weight. You don't have to go spend a lot of money um, on weight train, training equipment or anything. You know, if you're staying at home and don't have a gym, body weight is, you know, just as good. And you can incorporate, you know, if you have a bench, step on a bench, you know, do some tricep dips on the stairs, um, run up and down the stairs, plan metrics, stuff like that. So you can really get a fantastic workout with planks and um, jumps and push-ups and crunches. I mean, so much can be done with the body. It's unbelievable. You, you were even using like, I think paper plates. Yes. Uh, at one point during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I have a paper plate workout and I tell people I'm, because, you know, a lot of us, you can buy the gliders if you want to buy them, but um, like in certain circumstances, those gliders may not work. Like if you have certain, wood floors or something, it may not work. So you can just use paper plates. So I have um, a paper plate and I'm actually, I think I'm gonna load it up to my YouTube, but um, you can get a great workout on the legs. You can even do the upper body with paper plates. It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I think leg days might be my favorite like body weight one. And I've, I've read this, it was like Hindu squats or something, but you try to do like 500 of them and I worked out with this guy and we did like squats on the rack one day and we were like, okay, that was tough. The next day we did Hindu squats and we were like, our legs were just trembling walking yeah. out of there. Cause it's, it yeah. is so hard. I've had a lot of men. Um, I had one that was a police officer. I had another guy who he, um, I had another guy who he lifted pretty heavy and he came and took my class thinking again that, okay, I'm going to take it easy today. We'll see what this is about. And it was high repetition, like high repetition and tempoed. And he's like, that completely kicks 
my butt like yeah. completely. So yeah. Um, I can do a leg workout and don't get me wrong. I'll be fatigued, but when I'm doing legs or something with my own body weight with plyometrics or rep- high repetition of stuff, you're just burnt out. So yeah. Absolutely. I did one of your classes at Davis Mothin and I remember we were sitting there like, this is hazing. She's actually, <laughs> she's kicking up. She's embarrassing us. There weren't any weights or anything. It was just, yeah. I remember going up and down doing yeah. squats up and down the court. Yeah. But, it was so yeah, hard. and you can absolutely, um, you know, I'll never forget. I had it, you know, if you can remember, there was a marine, like a satellite marine station right outside yeah. the gate. Yep. Um, and I had an, he was a marine officer and he was training his, um, they were officers in training, the, his, their marines, and they came to my class and they had been doing um, CrossFit. So I think they came in, they're like, what is this rinky dinky little chick going to do? <laughs> That's when CrossFit was starting to get really big. Yeah, it was huge. So again, it was just, you know, and I tell everybody, it's not that my stuff is so hard to do. It's just a different type of training. And when you're not used to it, you know, um, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to be well-rounded. And I don't think it's always about go heavy, go heavy, go heavy but to be well-rounded in everything you do. Don't just stick to just heavyweight trainings, go to high repetition or go to body weight work. Um, even yoga, I mean, so important. You would be shocked. Yoga is not easy. You would be shocked at how it helps you to start taking control of the body and your core. You'd be shocked, but it's hard. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, cardio? What's your opinions on cardio? Cause some people are like, as long as I do cardio, I'm gonna lose all my weight, I'll be fine. Cardio is is very important. Most, you know, one of the things that to me is so important is it's important for heart health. So I always tell everybody, even if you're not looking for weight loss, just power walk, just Mm -hmm. because the heart is a muscle and you need to exercise it. And uh, American College of Sports Medicine for heart health, we're supposed to be doing like 30 minutes most days of the week. So most days of the week, you're going to look at four to six days a week. For weight loss, you're looking at about 40 minutes, right? Um, Now, that's not to say they also encourage you to weight train, strength train. And strength training could be your own body, just with your own body weight or with weights. And I just feel like both are important. Just like I was mentioning um, yoga, like recovery is important too. Uh, But Cardio is very important to exercise the heart. However, you have to incorporate some strengthening. You have to, because the way I I tell everyone, imagine if you have a balloon and you, you filled it up with air, correct? You filled up the balloon with air, but then you let some of the air out of it. It's smaller, definitely smaller, but it's squishy, right? So I equate like if somebody, all they want to do is a lot of cardio, a lot of cardio, a lot of cardio. um, I equate that to the same thing. I'm like, you're going to be, you're going to lose weight, but you're still not going to increase your lean mass, muscle mass. So it's important to do the strengthening because yes, you're going to lose the weight. Um, If you're happy just with that, that's fine. But I think it's important to have the strength and for, you know, especially for women, um, that we have strong bones. So I think you would have better results, not just, 
um, and weight, because obviously the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn, even mm -hmm. when you're not working out. So you would have better results overall weight wise, weight loss wise, but at the same time, you're, you're stronger. It feels good. Do you recommend cardio before or after a workout? This one <laughs> is a back and forth. And I know there's a lot of research on this. So just like fasted cardio, like most of the time when I go compete, I do my cardio early in the morning when I haven't been eating and it's steady state cardio. It's nothing hardcore. Um, but what, what I, what is recommended. So like, you don't want to have a full stomach when you go do cardio. So if you haven't eaten in like two hours, maybe two and a half hours, um, doing cardio and then your weights, you know, is good and that you can start getting into your cardio right away and, you know, dipping into fat stores and so forth and burning through the proteins and carbs won't be as hard because you haven't eaten in the last two and a half hours, but that also means you're going to be low energy. So, um, when I weight train, I have to have something in my system. Like I, I can't go where I haven't eaten in three hours and then go weight train. I have to have eaten something in at least an hour before. So me, myself, I get up super early if I can to do the cardio before I even eat breakfast. However, if that doesn't happen, I do the cardio after my weight training. Um, and again, it's, you can do it before. And the reason I say sometimes do it before, because what happens to most people, they do their strength training. And then when it's time to do cardio, they're like, I'm tired. Do it tomorrow. Go. And guess what? I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're supposed to do 30 minutes, you're like, 23 minutes is all right. <laughs> so. I, I did it today. I, I worked out and I came back in. I was like, I'm done. And then I, yeah. I talked myself back into going out and running, but it was hard. Yeah, it is hard. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you decide to do cardio after your weight training, you really be, you really need to be committed and disciplined that you're going to do intentional, it. Intentional, intentional. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What's your opinion on, it was kind of a two-part question, pre-workout, like what do you do for, I, I, for some reason, I don't think you load up on C4 and, you know, you <laughs> explode and all this. Stuff. So like, what is your opinion on uh, something to get you kind of jolted before you work out? And then also that post-workout recovery. Um, for me, BCAs are important. Um, I think it's definitely important to be taking some BCAs, whether it's pre and BCAs, you know, it's kind of an anytime you can do pre during and even post. Um, but honestly, my pre-workout is coffee. I mean, um, I know there's some great ones out there, some fantastic, um, companies that have fantastic pre-workouts. Uh, but at the same time, because I drink coffee, I, um, I don't want to dip into doing pre-workouts along with the coffee. Yeah. It just feels like it's going to be added stress to me. And I actually have a heart murmur. So I have a heart murmur and, um, have, have a little bit of uh, stuff going on with the heart. And so that's another reason I want to be careful about what I'm putting into my body. Yeah. And that's not to say those companies aren't safe, but uh, those companies may not also know 
other stuff you're taking either. Like, are you a big coffee drinker? Do you drink a lot of soda? You know, um, what else you're doing on top of that? So I think yeah. it's important for us to be aware that something in itself may not do anything negatively to us, but if we're combining it with something else. So for me, I think pre-workouts are okay. Cause like I said, company, there's some great companies and you want to do your homework on them. Yeah. So I, I have people message me on Instagram and they'll ask me, what do you think of this? And I'll give them a couple of different companies that I think are fantastic because unfortunately in the supplement world, and you probably know this strip is that there can be a lot of people slap a label on a jar on a bottle and put a product out there. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not the healthiest thing to be taking or the safest because the FDA does not regulate all supplements. It just doesn't. They it don't regulate revamped like six times over that same yeah. supplement. So yeah. um, that's the thing with that is that it, they don't always aren't, they're not always regulated. So um, I think that's something that we need to be aware of. But yeah, I think, again, there's some great ones out there. If you need it, like, especially if maybe you're um, feeling sluggish that day and so forth, um, and you need something that's great, um, maybe find some one that's good and reputable. As far as post-workout, and I'm going to go back to pre and post and be honest with you. Some of the things I use for my pre and my post besides my BCAs, mm -hmm. um, I do protein powder as uh, obviously I do whey. And, but I think the number one is your nutrition. Number one is nutrition because if you're feeling sluggish, I think you need to ask yourself, what am I eating? Mm. When am I eating? And also the other one, the big one is, am I getting enough sleep? You know, um, because it's taken me a while to really, because I've always been a person that was a light sleeper and didn't get enough sleep. So I'm like, that's just how my body runs. But I started realizing I would, I get better results when I have enough sleep. It's yeah. essential because get your beauty sleep. That's where it comes from. Everything happens when you sleep. So your body starts to simmer down and everything regenerates when you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to be getting your sleep as you know, um, instead of staying up late or so forth and hopefully not feeling sluggish. And then obviously what you do post-workout can affect the next two days. So if you work out real hard or even run steady state and you don't eat anything for like hours after you're probably going to have some fatigue the next two days. And then you won't even know why you're like, why am I so tired? But if you don't eat in that threshold, refuel the body, even if it's with a protein shake, the window just keeps that stays open and you keep burning energy. And then you're tired in the next two days. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think the uh, sleep thing is goes undervalued. I've, I read yeah. a book recently, why we sleep. It's a New York mm -hmm. Times bestseller, phenomenal book. It, and I was one oh, of those. Oh, wow, I, I need to read that. It's really good. I'll, I'll, um, I'll shoot you the link to it. But it was one of those where I was kind of like you. I was like, well, I'm getting my, I only need five hours of sleep and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and because I would go to bed at like 1030, get up at like 330, go to the yeah. gym. And I'm like, it works for me. But then you, it, it, like you said, you're like, I'm not getting the results I want. 
I think if you get on the right eating habits, get yourself situated with your sleep, we'll have you won't energy. take so many pre-workouts. I mean, every now and then, but I think we've become strung up on energy drinks, energy powders, you know, pre-workout pills. And, you know, I think um, if we just started making some changes, they don't have to be all at once, but little by little. Yeah. I'm always, I'm interested to see like, studies like 30 years down the road someone who's been yes. taking pre-workouts and then yeah. what that does to their heart biggest misconception when it comes to fitness whether it's dieting working out what's the biggest misconception that you usually hear i think um uh, it, it again it goes back to nutrition and alcohol so i think um people don't want to admit or accept how much alcohol impacts your fitness. I mean, it affects it greatly. And I talk to people about this all the time because, and I'm not saying partying, like some people may say, well, I don't go out, I don't drink, but I'm talking even having those glasses of wine at home, right? Um, it affects you tremendously because it slows down your fat burning process and it hinders your muscular development. So if you're here trying to strengthen or get more muscle, it's going to hinder that. And your fat burning is also going to slow down. So I may drink on a Saturday and my fat burning may not be back to normal until like Tuesday, you know, or Wednesday, depending on how much I drank. So the body recognizes alcohol always as a toxin. So it's like a toxin to the body. So every time you drink, it says, okay, I'm going to put fat burning to the side and I'm going to take care of this alcohol. And that's where cirrhosis comes from because it, that that's how it affects the liver. The liver's in overdrive basically. So it's a toxin. And so, yeah, I think alcohol is probably the number one and nutrition as well. I mean, I don't think people realize, again, you can go to the gym every day, but if you don't make changes with your eating habits, and it's not just about eating like a bird, but eating the right foods. And when you're eating them, um, I think you won't see the changes. I think that has been the, I think it's the biggest misconception. They think overdo it with exercise. Don't worry so much about the diet. One thing you were talking about being proud of being in the crowd and competing the next mm -hmm. year. One, I would say the one thing that I'm most proud of is I am 38 years old. I've never been drunk a day in my life. Wow. Um, yep. And that is something that I will tell people. And they're always like, really? Especially like the ALS classes I would teach. I would yeah. tell them that. And they're like, are you serious? But that's something I'm proud of. I'm just like yeah. really proud of that, that um, I, I've never, never can experience it. Can't relate to people when they talk about it. I'm like, sorry. Yeah. And it's just a horrible feeling. Like I tell like every now and then, like maybe once a month, possibly at the very most twice a month, I'll have some wine here and there. But I, I tell people it's not so much because I'm a goody goody or anything. I'm like, but most of all, I don't like how I feel the next day. Yeah. You know, I ha either have a headache or I don't feel right. I'm like, that's the biggest reason. And I, and with competing, obviously have been doing it for so many years you don't really drink alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, you don't because it's such a strict plan. So I just got used to it and I drank in my twenties, but once I hit like 29, like I just stopped, you know, oh. I got pregnant. I just haven't drank really since then. 
what do you do? We've been talking about dieting, you know, what we're putting into our bodies. So what is something that you do to kind of curb uh, your cravings when you, you have that sweet tooth? Okay, so something that'll curb my cravings. And this is where, again, I tell people you re really have to start learning about yourself, admitting it and recognizing it. And um, for me, and some of my coworkers have seen me do it, and some of my friends, like I can have chocolate, and I'm a chocolate lover, but I'll take a bite of it, then wrap it back up, and then put it away. Oh, you're better so, than and that's it. <laughs> or like the other day, my kids had pizza. I came into the house and I sliced like a teen, like a square off and I took a, a bite of it. And I think what it does for me when I take those little samples yeah. is I'll taste it and I'll be like, it's good or it's okay. So, but it's not worth eating two slices and going backwards. Right. It's like the sample at Publix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, what, like I said, one of those things where, I sample it and I taste it. And then, you know, I ask myself, is it worth it? Um, but I will say this, one of the things that's my weakness is cheese. <laughs> I love cheese. Really? Yeah. So I have to be careful with it because like, that's the one thing, like if I like it and it's good, I want to keep eating it. So yeah. that's where like, when I get on my plan, like this week, I, I, is when I decided, okay, I really do want to compete for my 50th. Um, I started, you know, uh, fine, started little by little by little uh, making the changes before I go in it head on the first week of January. So I started doing more cardio mm -hmm. <laughs> and I started like with my egg whites and my spinach in the morning, but there was some cheese the other day and I had a slice and I just kept slicing. It broke down. <laughs> So that's my thing. Like I got to stay away from cheese. So that's where, I, you know, I, I have my, I let myself enjoy stuff, but at the same time, I know the ones that are going to get me. So you, that's when I, I feel like I recognize, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of, you know, chocolate and maybe half the bar, but the cheese, I'm going to put it away. You know, <laughs> mine is chocolate, dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could just sit there uh, like a kid from Willy Wonka or something with it. You know, one thing that has helped me too with the chocolate is hot chocolate. Mm. Like I'll find a hot chocolate that's lower in sugar or yeah. sometimes, you know, an okay amount of sugar. And that helps my sweet tooth at night. Yeah. So I'll drink hot chocolate. So it helps. It's helped me tremendously. That's a good question. What, what do you usually, I've heard people that they, they drink hot tea before they go to bed. They drink, uh, cold water. Uh, there's like a I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. Um, but there's like this mojito mint flavored, almost like a supplement that helps you sleep better. Like what do you usually drink or, or put into your body before you go to bed? Um, I have my dinner, whatever my dinner may be. And then when I'm going to bed, um, I don't, uh, do anything where it's like really cold. If anything, I do warm. And like I said, I may have a hot chocolate, um, a hot tea. So sometimes I will do hot tea. Um, and then I take my vitamins and supplements. Cause one thing I have to take all my vitamins and not supplements, but vitamins, um, 
from mid-afternoon to the evening, because I don't know if I mentioned this, but I have Hashimoto's disease. So it's an autoimmune disorder, which has hypothyroidism. So do the Hashimoto's, and this is where I kind of relate to people because I have an underactive thyroid. Um, You know, I can gain weight very easily. It takes a while for me to lose weight, but with the Hashimoto's, you get a lot of other stuff. You can get hair loss, you can get eczema. Um, That's where my heart issues come from. So I have a heart murmur and I have um, moderate regurgitation in the tricuspid valve because and they, they attribute it to the Hashimoto's because it can cause heart issues. I'm also, believe it or not, um, every time I go to the endocrinologist, even when I'm in full force, active, competing, super healthy, healthy foods and portions, I'm pre-diabetic. And so he tells me, you have to, I know I don't have to tell you this. He's like, but yes, watch your carbs. So, and it all stems from the Hashimoto's with the hypothyroidism. So that's another reason I really have to focus on my diet and my great, my great, my grandmother had it. So I have the same exact thing my grandmother has. Um, Luckily she lived till she was 96, but she lived a very, very active life. Um, She lived in Mexico. So when she would eat, she ate very small portions throughout the day, just very Mm -hmm. small portions. And she didn't know how to drive. So she walked everywhere and she was at the up at the crack of dawn mopping, you know, her floors, you know, she had these marble floors that got dusty as heck and she would mop them every time. So everything that happens for me at night, I, again, I have to be careful of what I'm taking supplement wise and anything else, because it could affect my thyroid medication. I take it first thing in the morning when I wake up and I can't eat for an hour, drink anything but water for an hour, no supplements or vitamins for at least four hours. So the medication works correctly. So, yeah, that's crazy to hear because just, uh, you know, on the surface, like seeing you, um, you know, in person working out and then on Instagram, um, it's already like inspiring, but then you hear that everything you've been through as well, and you're still doing the things you do and you're as disciplined. Yeah. I mean, and I tell people, I wake up tired because again, if you look at the symptoms for Hashimoto's, some of them are mood swings, some of them depression, some of them are fatigue, some of it's muscle ache, joint pain. Um, And so, you know, when you, I always tell people when someone, you see someone from the outside that it may, may look okay, but you never know what's going on. So like with me, as long as I'm controlling it and taking my medication, like you should, it's great. But that's not to say I still don't have symptoms. Like, you know, I, I went through hair loss and luckily that has tapered down and gone away. Um, I get flare ups they are called Hashimoto flare ups where it happens like once a year, sometimes twice, you cannot even peel yourself out of the bed because your whole body hurts, like just hurts. So yeah. So I think, and again, it goes back to, that's why I'm also careful with my nutrition yeah. and because I know when certain things flared up cause inflammation. So, wow. Yeah. Well, how, uh, you know, having to adjust this past March COVID kind of forced gyms to shut down. Yes. A lot of people had to make changes. Uh, how did that affect you? Um, obviously it affected me work-wise because I did lose some work, but at the same time, 
I had to change my way of, of training. So I approached all my clients and I said, I'll train you online if you're interested. So the majority of them said, yes. Some of them were like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens and so forth. Um, so I was training them online. So whether it was FaceTime or Zoom, I was training with them. Um, and I, you talked about investing, like I said, coaching, I think too, is invest in a set of exercise equipment, whether it be dumbbells, a treadmill, something, um, especially if you live in a climate where maybe it snows a lot, or maybe it's scorching hot all the time and you don't want to be outside. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, I've been lucky enough to have equipment over the years. And so if I wasn't training a client on a certain day, I would do a next, a workout in my living room with my dumbbells. So, and kind of make it a hit. So high intensity intervals. So I would do like my weights and then about of cardio, some weights and cardio. And that way it kind of went by faster. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, it helped me a lot because that's what I think people don't understand is that exercise is medicine and really is. even just depression, it, de it can decrease depression. Um, from the statistics, again, I went to a symposium by the ACSM and they said it can decrease it by up to 65%. So, you know, I think that helped me a lot with like anxiety or depression or anything that I could have, could have been a lot worse during the, the lockdown yeah. and it kept me going. Yeah, we, my wife and I invested, we, we finally just said, you know what, we're going to take our garage, we're going to yes. clear some stuff out, and we're going to make room for a gym. And we kept adding like little piece by little piece yes. to where now, I'm like, I don't even need to, to go anywhere. But I do agree with You're what like, you said. I don't about. need a membership. <laughs> exactly. We, we have our, our little instructor gym on base, and I haven't stepped foot in there since everything yes. kicked off. But I, I do agree with what you said about it being medicine, because Cardio to me is like clearing the mind and the lifting yeah. and the body weight is like relieving the stress. And if I don't get my workout in at least six days, um, it, it's almost like I haven't brushed my teeth. I don't feel good. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel right, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Now you, you've already said a couple of the questions that I had kind of ready for you. You've kind of answered them with your uh, 50th birthday coming up and yes. your goal that you have set for yourself. So we will definitely um, keep people posted here, yeah, for uh, sure. especially after this episode, but where do you see yourself, you know, not just this next year, 2021, but five years from now? Uh, you know, I, I want to continue to helping people in fitness without a doubt. I think, um, through social media be the main way, but I think, um, I may veer towards a different career field, like possibly um, I, I long time ago I used to be in real estate. So I've, I've considered going back into real estate, but fitness is always just such a passion for me. And I love learning about the body. I love learning how we can make those changes in our body to have positive results. So I think for me, it's always going to be a part of my life. And so whatever, whether I decide to stay in this career, because I've also done a lot of corporate wellness as well. So um, I could go back into corporate wellness and, uh, you know, really engage with people there. But for me, through social media, I want to continue to helping people. And like when they send me questions, I like answering them. So I think I'm always going to be active. I don't think I know I will always 
always be active. So I, because it just helps me. And now more than ever, because I'm going to be 50 and I have a four-year-old. So I'm like, I got to keep up with it. <laughs> so if listeners on here, this is their first time being exposed to you. They would like to find out more information about you, training sessions you're doing, anything uh, that, that deals with Narissa Figueroa, where would you point them to? Um, I'm on Instagram, Narissa Fit Pro. So the way you spell my name is N like Nancy, E-R-I-S-S-A Fit Pro. So that's my handle on Instagram, Narissa Fit Pro. They can message me. I try to check my messages at least every couple of days. Um, and then they can also um, email me at NarissaFitPro at gmail.com, but also I'm on Facebook um, under Narissa fit. So they can message me there. I'm also there on a, my regular page, Narissa Figueroa. So definitely would love to hear from anybody or if they have any questions or so forth, would love to help because, um, again, that's something I love doing. And I think, you know, as you know, especially even with the military, um, I think it's just so important for people to realize that, we're responsible for taking care of ourselves and the choices we make. So, you know, we can go forward and start making the changes or we can not make the changes and we're just going to keep stagnant and just keep getting possibly worse. Well, Ma'am, thank you so much. You're um, welcome. This, this was great because this is one of the first episodes we had where I, I had a good idea about the person that we're interviewing, but the more this conversation went on, um, it was it was a lot to unpack and it was a lot of, of really beneficial information that you shared with us. So thank you for that. And You're also welcome. I think that helps to inspire other people. So what final words do you have for listeners out there? I think the, the biggest thing is understand that we're all in this together, that I know sometimes we feel like Oh, I don't want to go to the gym until I lose weight. Oh, I'm so out of shape or I'm so unhealthy that um, if I start exercising, I'm not going to get anywhere. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. Even for the fittest person looking to make changes, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Putting on muscle doesn't happen overnight. Um, losing weight doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and that we all started somewhere. You know, we all started somewhere and knowing that all it takes is one step forward and keep moving. And so it's like I said, you have to do a little bit at a time. If you think you're going to attack everything and go in super hard at once, I think um, that's tough to do. I think everything in life, a little bit at a time and then keep moving forward. Well, ma'am, thank you. I know you had a house full of kids. I have dogs. <laughs> Everybody seemed to behave during this. Yeah, this they did good. He's so was, on his tablet, so that's why he haven't heard Oh, that him. was easy. Yeah. No, it, it's funny because the dogs were all barking before I got started. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be a disaster. But they they behaved. They were very good. So thank, thank you, you ma'am. We'll have links with all of your information on this description as well. That's all the time we have for this episode. 